Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am your host. Welcome to Book of Leaves, the podcast where I interview people in Ireland or who are from the country and we get to know their story, why they do whatever amazing thing for the environment and society it is that they're doing and we can take a leaf out of their book to add to our own way of eco-friendly living, which is where the name comes from. And thank you all so much for getting in touch to those of you who did about last week's episode or two weeks ago, because this is released every second Monday with Naomi Nihiakon, the scientist that I had on um, it was just such a useful chat and it really resonated with so many people and yeah thank you for reaching out there's been a lot of lovely feedback and unfortunately the words she has to say are going to be very relevant to how we're living for a long time so do please keep sharing that and yeah this episode we're going to be focusing more on a community. Oh, there's blackbirds outside my window. Hello, blackbirds. That's a nice little surprise. But yeah, this episode we're going to be chatting to Leo and Sean, who work with Bohemian Football Club's climate department. Like they have a they have a climate action team in their football club, which is a cooperative. I just didn't know that much, so I was really delighted to get to chat to the two of them in their office. So you do hear the cars and the traffic going by outside. Well, I, I kind of like that ambiance. So. Just to flag that with you ahead of time, before I pass the mic over to Sean and Leo, I just want to reiterate with episode 100, I do want to do something for it, but it's not going to be until the start of season six, which will be in March, usually the end of March or April. And for that, I would like you to send in your leaves so your suggestions that you have taken on or learned about through this podcast you can send me a voice note or you can just record a voice message on your phone and send it to me in an email bookofleavespodcast at gmail.com and I would love to make a podcast episode of the ways in which my guests on the podcast have inspired you to make a difference and how that has impacted your life or the people around you or you know how you found it really um if there was anything that worked for you and also what didn't work for you and I also would love to hear if you have suggestions that I've yet to actually talk about there's loads of topics that I haven't touched yet so if there's a leaf that you would like to share you can either send me a voice note or text it to me or email it to me and I'll read them out and I would love to do that for episode 100 so that will be the second episode of the newest season that will be coming next year after I hibernate for January and February as I've been doing every year since the podcast started and yeah so my last episode with you guys will be New Year's Day so if you've any tips that you would like to make your Christmas greener I have done amazing podcasts before on that topic with Kate Russell a good friend of mine those tips still stand about gifting and the food you eat so definitely give that a listen and feel free to message me if there's anything you're stuck about I love helping people with this kind of stuff if you do like the work that I do and you would like to support the podcast financially if you're able to do that I do have a patreon account patreon.com forward slash book of leaves and a buy me a coffee that you can support once off if like me you wouldn't be able to contribute to something monthly if your income is sporadic or what have you any support like that is really really appreciated i does it doesn't sit right with me to have an anti-capitalist eco-friendly 
podcast that has advertising on it. I know that there's so many businesses that I could like ask if they would fund me if they have like a circular economy vibe if they if they themselves are members of the circular economy but it just doesn't sit right with me to have ads when I would love to see an ad free world you know or the only things that are advertised are things that are good for the planet so yeah your financial support is greatly greatly appreciated to go towards all the running costs of the website and the podcast hosting platform and if you can't support it like that I totally understand please feel free to share it to your socials share it to your friends stick it in a whatsapp group please do keep spreading the word and thank you so much to everyone who's already done that and to my supporters and my patrons I really appreciate you guys now I have held ye long enough here is Leo and Sean in our lovely bustling office in Phippsburg. I hope you guys enjoy. Alrighty, Sean and Leo, you're both very welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. This is the first time we're meeting and I presume you guys obviously know each other. You're sitting and we working together met, in the office. We have met. <laughs> so I guess, can each of you introduce a little bit about yourselves for listeners and me who might not know you, Sean, if you want to start with yourself? So Sean McCabe, I work as the head of climate justice and sustainability here at Bohemian Football Club and have done in a voluntary capacity, but in increasingly uh, full-time capacity. Uh, over the past three years. Wow. And what about yourself then, Leo? Yeah, my name's Leo McConnell and I'm a climate action researcher here at Bose. Oh, I've only started there about six weeks ago, but before that I was um, doing my master's in climate change. Oh, no so I'm just fresh out of <laughs> into into the workplace. Welcome! My gosh, you're so new. Brand new shampoo. And I guess for each of you, like, did... Uh, both of you seem to have a background in climate before you kind of got involved with football. Or for you, anyway, Leo, would it be the same for you, Sean? Uh, um, I, yeah, I've, uh, I suppose I've been working on climate justice for about a decade, starting off in Sierra Leone with the Environmental Protection Agency out there and then with Mary Robinson with her Foundation for Climate Justice and more recently with TASC and now Bose. And why? What was the catalyst for you to get active? Did you always kind of care about it growing up? Or was there something that triggered you kind of wanting to take action? Um, no, it's not something I always cared about. I, I didn't, like, climate is abstract to me. Like, it's people and its impact on people. That So so whether I was working in Sierra Leone or, or I'd, I'd previously worked in Calcutta before that, it was seeing people on the margins of society and people who were being left behind and realising slowly, I think, over time that climate was going to do that to an even greater extent if we didn't figure out how to make it f- the action we take fair. It's not just melting ice caps, it's communities like that it's affecting. Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's about our ability to feed ourselves, our ability to uh, have stable democratic societies. It's, it's, it goes so deep that you ultimately, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge people the earth will survive yeah exactly and leo for yourself you studied climate action so that that's what you what you weren't going into that going oh, i'll just do an arts degree i'll do i'll just do climate like you you obviously kind of cared about it beforehand so was that through your childhood or what sparked that for you yeah so i was always obsessed with extreme weather events as a child like i used to always watch like documentaries and stuff and i think probably like growing up and having like winters 2009 2010 and having extreme snowfalls kind of sparked my interest then after I did my leave insert I went to Maynooth and I studied geography and then I went straight into the masters in climate change there 
and the climate science and the climate policy doesn't always connect, but the policy and the people and the climate science also doesn't connect. Yeah. So whenever I've seen the job advertisement to kind of work for Bose and connect climate and communities and people and policy and everything yeah. it was just such a great opportunity amazing yeah you're so right because i think people so, the science of climate isn't always communicated well so people yeah. don't understand it and policy i have not like you say the word policy in my brain i start to withdraw like i just I, i'm i don't know how to create policy i don't understand reading policy and i think you're so right in that like is about saying we need to actually link the community in otherwise the work won't you don't like we need to all kind of understand so for people who don't know bows you're saying bows who are bows like for anyone because we've a lot of listeners outside of ireland as well they'll be like what are they talking about <laughs> so bohemians is a football club that was founded in 1890 it's been a cooperative for its entire existence it's it's owned by the fans by its members which is an increasingly rare thing in the world of football we are looking forward to uh, an fai cup final in november we are uh, We're, we're currently fourth in the league. So yeah, we compete in the Irish Premier Division. Uh, exists here in, in, in Fibsborough on the north north side of Dublin. Amazing. And how does that, when you say owned by the community, so in the football world we'll see that one person could own a team and they basically make money off it. They can... I don't know. They yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly like it. That. Yeah, no, 100%. That, you're, you're spot on. It's, um, it's owned by the fans. So we... All the members pay a subscription every year and, and, and that subscription gives you a vote in our AGM and gives you uh, a say in the club's affairs. Um, but it also means that the club doesn't rely on an individual, like you say, a wealthy individual, a wealthy investor. There's no capacity to derive profit from the club. All the money goes back into the club. Yeah, goes back into the facilities, go back, goes back into, into the, the team. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Amazing, that's deadly. And then when and why did the co-op then the football club decide that climate action was something that they also needed to involve uh, well the club has always tries to engage on issues that are of significance to the community yeah. so we've ha had a lot of work on asylum seekers uh, work on integration a lot of work on queer visibility and, and LGBT issues and so It was only natural that when you look at the climate crisis and, and the, the risks and opportunities it presents to our community that the club would have a stance on it. Mm -hmm. But it, the, the role came about quite accidentally. I had just finished a piece of work in um, the, the, the Think Tank Task called The People's Transition, a piece of research looking at how you would enable community wealth building through climate action and I spoke to Daniel Lambert who's the COO here and about the possibility of Bohemians being an anchor institution in that model. Mm. It just essentially means a, a, an organisation with a sense of place that could be an enabler of community wealth building and Daniel said well if you would want to do it yourself you can come in and do it. I was already a member of the club so it, it, the, it's not the first time like we've got commentary at matches for visually impaired people that was an initiative via member uh, a lot of a lot of the good things we do that we bring people from direct revision centers on buses to matches that was an initiative of a member so it started i had an interest in climate i had an interest in football and we uh, started combining the two but within a month of announcing it we'd been on cnn so like it had this weird trajectory once 
once you combine the two, for some reason, it just caught fire and, and, and caught the imagination and spread very quickly. Amazing. And then what kind of work do you do that involves climate action? Like, how do you incorporate that into the community? Yeah, so the project that we're currently working on now is called The Spark. And what we're trying to do is kind of build community capacity to get involved in climate action. So we're developing a number of different things. Um, We are developing a green skills curricula um, to teach people in the community about different aspects of climate action, like working cooperatively as a community, um, getting them lessons in retrofitting and bike mechanics so they can learn more things about that. But we're also going to put in actual facilities too, such as a library of things where you can come and you can rent an item for a day, such like as a lawnmower, whereas then you won't need to go out and buy a lawnmower to use it only a few times a year. Mm. And then we're also going to establish a bike library so people can come and take a bike for a few months and then bring it back to us and it'll be especially good for children who are growing and they'll save the parents money too because you know the way children grow they'll be out of the bike in no time yeah that's amazing those are really clever because i think and i've just you showed me your space as well leo you've got these you've got beautiful offices right in the heart of fibsburg like people can probably hear the traffic going outside with a great view as well and the spaces that you have you're not just telling people what you can do oh recycle better like the workshops yeah. that you plan on holding are very empowering because there's a lot of skills that we have lost and that whole community thing of lending power tools that you literally use once every 18 months you know it would be so so useful and you host film clubs and stuff like that as well yeah we have the bohemian environmental justice film festival now that was a bigger thing last year and um, that sean hosted and a few others but um, this year was a wee bit more dialed back and we actually had that last week and we screened um, how to blow up a pipeline um, once in the evening for kind of just the general public and then the next day for secondary school students but um, next year we're going to try and return to our full-on film festival and have loads of different showings on the pitches and everything. Amazing and then is there any work because a lot of this I understand a lot of it is community based are you also then involved with the actual football match side of things or the facilities and kind of making sure that they're kind of eat more as eco-friendly as possible or have there only been initiatives like applied there that's actually of much lower interest to me we will eventually move into that space we actually we were giving a presentation last week in the netherlands to the dutch league a lot of people want to learn from what we're doing here and so we met with the Dutch leagues, uh, first two divisions, the clubs. Before that, we did a calculation. Leo actually worked on it, where we calculated how much emissions the clubs themselves were responsible for. And it wasn't easy because there wasn't a lot of available data, but we calculated roughly about 97,000 tonnes of CO2 per year, which might sound like a lot, but it's actually only about 0.05 of a percent I think was that it? Yeah. Zero five percent of Dutch emissions, right? So it's uh, on the scale of Dutch emissions. Was this one particular football club? No, this is all all football, all football clubs. clubs. So it's it's relatively small. Now it's not saying yeah. they shouldn't be doing nothing, of course, yeah. but then you look at there's about eight point two million Dutch football fans, and they have a collective footprint of around ninety million tons. So a lot of sports teams and sports organisations are obsessed with doing the stadium level, match day level stuff, which is understandable and because it's, it's like the most the, visible. The lights or the, the, the waste or the yeah. cups or that type of thing. But ultimately, that's not going to stop the crisis that we're in. Yeah. It, that's very, very small fry. Whilst it looks like a very 
big contributor if you see it. The strategy must be for organizations like ourselves to enable the fans to take accessible, affordable climate action. And that's what we're focused on. So as much as I'd love to have a very sustainable match day experience, that's not where we're spending our time and energy Mm -hmm. yet. We'll get there. But right now we have to design what we're doing with the cooperative, uh, trying to change the politics around local climate action so that communities can own the assets of the transition. If communities can own the assets of the transition, like they own Bohemian Football Club, they'll make money off it. That money can be reinvested for those who are unable to afford the key elements of climate action. That's the bigger picture, bigger conversation piece. Put simply, we want we want to build a different conversation around sports climate action, which focuses less on an obsession about a sustainable match day, recognizing that actually that should just be par for the course and that should be done anyway. Yeah, uh, and that should like clubs should work up to that. But the real game changing potential of football and sport in general is making fans aware of their agency, enabling fans to access solutions. They're the types of things that will fundamentally transform our fight against the climate crisis. Yeah, because you're getting to the heart of the fans then, and I guess you wouldn't even need to say it to them, you wouldn't need to... The, they would bring the sustainability then to the match, you know, like they would have that kind of ingrained in them and an awareness of it, not to be littering the stands or commuting, carpooling to matches. And I mean, living in the city, like thankfully your, your pitch is, is on great public transport networks, which wouldn't be available everywhere. But like, are there any other community-owned football clubs in Ireland that you know of? Previously, everyone was. We're down to a couple, I know Sligo are. Member-owned football was the norm for an awful long time. And now it's... You see the way the Premier League's going, where it's a kind of sports washing f- for states with really bad human rights records. Like, it's it's gone a really dark direction. So we're kind of trying to tap back into an essential sort of uh, element of, of football and, and, and history, which is football clubs were a spot for workers to come and relax on a weekend and have some entertainment and have some connection to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And we want to return to that. The commu- it's the community part of football that I think people kind of forget about or is overlooked a lot of the time that it's go it's been in that energy with a load of people that no matter what your differences are you're all there to support that one team and the great the crack that you can have in the stands and, and in the lead up to it and everything like it is a really lovely thing that is missing I think from a lot of sports but what the work you're doing here is amazing to kind of get that back have you any kind of stories of people that we're here kind of just for the football, let's say, that talk to you about how they've changed or things that they've learned that they're kind of rippling out into their own family or communities. I think on a bigger scale, we've just, we're, we're doing a European project with seven other European football clubs. Oh, cool. And we put a survey out to our members, each and the others did to their fans, asking them about different elements of climate action. Well, what's really telling is that we've been running this initiative for longer than any of and 80% of the respondents to our survey felt that football clubs should be involved in designing solutions to climate action way higher than any of the other teams. So it just shows that we've been having a, a conversation with the fans in not a preachy way, not a way where we lecture them about changing, like taking shorter showers or using bamboo toothbrushes. That's not our approach. Our approach is to try to talk about 
collective empowerment. And when when I was first appointed, I would have got a lot of stick online because the fans couldn't see why a football club should be involved in this. And now 80% of our members think that this is of significant importance. So that's that's a huge shift. Because, yeah, like you said at the start, a lot of people think that there's, there's certain corporations that aren't needed or there's certain systems saying this is like a little football system within itself that isn't related to the climate but everything is related to the climate our food our entertainment like everything is so i think every football all the listeners would already be on that that kind of train anyway but for anyone who is a fan or member of their local sports club and they're like they might feel like they're the only person who cares about climate how would you advise them or like what tactics should they use to kind of get their football community to care or take action? I would definitely avoid the individualisation of the responsibility of climate action and try and, uh, you know, people come together to watch football, people join clubs and they're supporting a team, but they're a part of so much more than just that. They come together, they bond over the, the team that they're supporting. Yeah. So I think it's really important that people come together through football for climate action. Whenever we come together, we can make a lot more change than just kind of sitting with the blame of having so much climate responsibility and having, oh no, I drove to work today, kind of the carbon emissions. It's, you know, it's putting the supports in for communities and communities coming together to try and do something collectively because whenever you do it collectively, it makes it a lot easier than taking that individual blame to yourself yeah. and just trying to do it yourself so instead of like posters about like did you drive to the match today you should have gotten a bus maybe we could set up a system of like exactly. actually helping each other carpool or something yeah. like that and yeah the community events that you're running here so the spaces that you have talk to me a little bit more about the plans that you have not just for the spaces but like what help you need from the community to get these up and running yes yeah, so we've already had one uh, volunteer day um for our own office because we have we have three different spaces we have the office and then we've got two community spaces so so far we've had a good turnout to help us paint the walls and kind of take out old things out because the the office that we're currently in used to be a gym so it was kind of it was a bit of a mess. It's different. So yeah, it's a used for a slightly different purpose now. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're going to be organising more volunteer days to finish up with the renovations of our actual office. But we also need more people as well to help out with our community spaces. We'll be opening up those community spaces for the community for their own events too. But we're also going to be hosting our own things for the Climate Cooperative in those spaces. Amazing. And for people to get involved or even attend, what what's the kind of criteria? Do you need to be a member of Bose, signing up to that kind of membership, or can can you just show up to to cer- certain things? Um, well, for our volunteer days anyway, we definitely take anybody, <laughs> any anybody <laughs> with a good set of hands. Yeah. It doesn't matter what football team yeah. you support. No, we don't care as long as you're coming to help. Um, yeah, yeah, we we're happy to have anybody on board uh, to come help us out with yeah. our spaces because, as I said, you know, climate action is a lot more than just people individually. It's it's coming together. And I think people care a bit more about a space when they 
have something to do with the kind of creation of it as well like yeah. instead of some you know you hire a contractor yeah. to come in and do it up and they're just what like there's exactly. a bit of them in the paint on the walls and then um, yeah and and that space is for the community it's for the community to yeah. use so for the community to also have involvement in creating the space is really important too and i know the things the events that you have like the film club they were kind of open to the public um a lot of the time but then for a membership of the club like is it recommended that you are like living in or around cabra Oh no no no! We've got we've got members all over the world. Oh, wow. So we have an international membership, uh, a special international membership you can sign up to. But um, we're actually so membership of the club is throughout Ireland. We've 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 concentrations of members in Dublin Seven and in, in North County Dublin. Yeah. But challenges we're sold out. We're, we're we're currently at capacity in terms of members of the club. How but, many but members do you have now in the club? Yeah. Two thousand five hundred. Wow. Yeah, and and so we're now limited by so everyone who's a member gets a, a season ticket, essentially as well, yeah. so they can come to every home game. So we're limited by the capacity of the stadium. But planning permission has gone in for a new eight thousand capacity stadium, and once yeah. we have that, we'll obviously be able to increase our membership. <gasps> wow, that's amazing, isn't it? So hopefully there'll be more people kind of getting involved there. What? changes do you each think systemically we need to well, I guess yeah specifically looking at like sport and communities is there anything the bigger up corporations government or big huge sporting sponsors can can do I definitely think bottom up approaches are really really important yeah. for um, any sort of change I think there is power in people and whenever people come together to make change policymakers do listen yeah so don't underestimate like banding together as a community that, yeah like you're not going to get the system- systemic change that you need yeah yeah is there anything that big system wise you'd like to see different yeah well uh, yeah lots but fundamentally i think community has to be trusted right like one of the big flaws in the paris agreement one of the big flaws in the sustainable development goals that we haven't really addressed yet is this focus on the private sector being involved in the delivery of solutions rather than just being taxed and that money being used for solutions and so what we're trying to do here is do something at scale where we say you can trust community not just instrumentalize community to your own ends to do your own policy changes but actually support community to develop the future that they want. Yeah. And if we do that, there's a reason why we've been allegedly doing climate action for 30 years and emissions are still going up. Mm -hmm. And that's because we've been doing it through this construct of neoliberalism, which is in the hands of the private sector, top down, like Leo says, ignoring what communities want for themselves. Now, if we can put assets and opportunity into the hands of community, we will see a very rapid change, but it will require certain organisations and people relinquishing power that they hold. Or easier said than done, yeah. but not impossible. Like, because it's happened and it's happened elsewhere. It could happen here as well. Absolutely. And um, like the fact that Coca Cola is sponsoring the next cop is just laughable. So those kind of things. <laughs> it's, yep. it's an example of like we got getting something wrong, and if it's wrong, like we built a system, we can unbuild it. So I guess to close off. The last two questions I would love to ask you both, for people listening, what other leaves or suggestions would you offer them to like live more eco-friendly, to find community, to build strength, to basically get towards the future that we want? Like what other kind of tips would you have for people? I think, you know, go out to your local community groups and kind of get to know people and 
once you get to know people, you find kind of common ground and stuff. You figure out if you know you have the same problems. You know whether it's with childcare or literally anything, mm. and how do you address those problems? And can you address them through climate action? Because in a lot of cases, climate action can benefit communities, and problems can be solved through climate action. So I think you know if people get out there and they talk to their neighbours and talk to their communities and there's usually always other groups that you can take inspiration from as well that yeah. would have gone before you if, yeah. you if it's energy or housing or whatever it is that you can kind of get campaigning about or take an action for and even Cabra has loads of groups as well like Connecting Cabra yeah. Katrina Kenny I had on the podcast before there's loads of stuff here what about you Sean what would you say for anyone listening I think that we have a lot of unlearning to do of misinformed ideas about what environmental action is mm. and what sustainability is. I personally hate the word sustainability. A lot of people uh, do, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, you're not and, alone. And, and the enormity of the challenges is very hard to put into words. And we spend a lot of time trying to appease things in ourselves, I think, about how we feel, kind of going back to what Leo's saying about guilt, how we feel in the face of all of this. Mm. It's really not about them. We spend a lot of time as well trying to m- make people who feel climate anxiety better, when actually climate anxiety is a very legitimate response to what we're in, mm-hmm. and everyone should have it, and it should probably be a lot more intense than we have it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it, certainly older people should have a lot more of it. I think young people genuinely do feel it, but like older people. And, and so we need to stop w- sweating the small stuff, like your recycling bin, that's important. But from a climate justice perspective, it's meaningless. Like, we have to do the big things. Yeah, it doesn't matter if the system is shipping the recycling to yeah. the Philippines. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, about, it's about that pushing for fundamental reform of our, our systems. And so it is about banding together. It is about we're in a struggle for power, and the powerful don't want, w- won't cede that power without a demand. And if we're, if we're spending our whole time obsessed with the little stuff, mm. that suits the fossil fuel companies yeah. because they can continue to crank out record profits and give us the plastic bottles that we are obsessed with trying to recycle. So yeah. we really need to unlearn a lot of what we think is, about, is sustainability mm-hmm. and climate action and start focusing on the real big ticket items that we only have about a decade to fix. And, and that's not, by the way... The protest doesn't just have to be in the street. The protest is building the solidarity economy at scale. That's the alternative pathway for humanity to go. And if we can get that right, then we've a fighting yeah. chance. And you can start that from whatever like company you're in. If you're working as a teacher in a school, if you're in like whatever community you're in it doesn't have to be where you live it can be where you work where you volunteer could be the gig the gig the band that you love like all the fans of a band like or if you're if you are a musician like get your fans on board like there's community everywhere in so many different types actually just as you're saying there about if the if it's a band that you love yeah. like get, get the band involved in it like i, I seen an article last day and it said um what if taylor swift dated a climate scientist yeah, yeah, could you imagine the impact that would have? Yeah, on... like she started dating, I don't know who, well, some sports person yeah. it was, and the sale of the jersey went yeah. up like 4,000% or something wild. Like, yeah, no, so true. Like the, the people with platforms like have so much potential. <laughs> like, so Taylor Swift, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> would you get dating a climate scientist, please? Um, right, so if we... Bi- if we 
I want to step into, imagine your, your the lovely tower here turns into a time machine. And when you step out of the time machine, we are now in a world that has had that reform, where those systems have changed, where community is what's leading. So it's not, everything is like community led as opposed to from the top down. Oppression, climate action, or climate change doesn't exist. Oppression doesn't exist. It's just a really nice place to be. We can go to matches and we just have our normal everyday drama. The future as it works out, I want you to help me kind of paint a picture of it. Like what are your, what are your favorite things about that now? Well, if that exists, in, to my mind, you've managed to end capitalism. Mm -hmm. You've managed to um, find a way to redistribute resources effectively and fairly so that, that there's a safety net that nobody can fall through. So we won't be passing people on the street who are struggling. We won't have a financialized housing market where people are being having their wealth extracted for the benefit of, of foreign interests. We won't have a corporate tax rate in Ireland. So we won't have these tech companies sitting up on our corporate tax rate. We will be in, 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 like incorporating indigenous business yeah. and, 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 and community-owned business. The thing about community is such a nebulous word, and it's really dangerous, actually, because community is a class structure. And, and really, we want to tackle the, class, the inherent class structure, which is so apparent in, yeah. in, in Ireland even though we pretend it doesn't exist. You'd have decision makers who weren't beholden to large international financial markets. Mm -hmm. They would instead respond to the needs and priorities of the community here and everyone in the community. Yeah. So, Leo, imagining that everything Sean said has achieved, what does it look like now walking around this? I'd hope that it won't be 22 degrees in October again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's, that's all I hope for. Yeah, yeah. Normal weather. Like, you can go yeah. out, you know what to wear instead of, do I bring, you know, I'll bring me rain jacket and then you're sweltering in the heat. Like, we don't know a lot. Layers, we're, yeah, the simple kind of things where we have yeah. stability and we can seasons. expect the seasons. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add where people can find you or, or get involved if they're interested? We'll have, we'll have all singing and dancing websites and stuff soon, but, yes. but uh, primarily our, our main point of contact is Instagram so uh, BFC underscore Clico C-L-I-C-O Climate Cooperative or else spin by the tower here in Fibsborough and drop into us and say hello we do want to create a quite an open door operation yeah. and there's a lot going on a lot to get involved with and we're keen to see who wants to come in and volunteer like Leo says we have a variety of volunteer days coming up we've got a community supported agriculture project we always need help with we'll have uh, door knocking that we'll be doing going around to the community to speak to people so like there's a lot going to be happening that we could really do with some support on yeah absolutely and quite literally watch the space because you're going to be doing other space <laughs> there you go a nice quick interview about some amazing work happening that is resonating with football clubs all over the world so i hope if you are a member of the sports community and you're kind of flailing in the wind and you don't know where to start reach out to bows and they would absolutely help and I will keep an eye on their socials for any call outs for volunteers and st stuff that they have and I will then reshare that and yeah I can't wait hopefully I'll see you guys there at the community centres or if they bring back their film club I can't wait for the library of things because I really need a ladder to cut, cut the hedge in my garden so yeah I 
I just think it's a really lovely initiative and I hope it has inspired you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share, rate it, review it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, that'll be so helpful and you can literally take two seconds to do that on Spotify and support on Patreon or buy me a coffee if you can, but also support yourselves if you need to. And there's loads of charities that, that need help this Christmas from uh, homeless charities in Ireland to, of course, UNICEF and everything for the crisis happening over in Palestine right now so yeah keep minding yourselves do what you do what do what you can to help so I hope you have a really really lovely Christmas and you know find the joy wherever you can but as Naomi was saying in the last episode don't let yourself off the hook do what you can but it is important that we rest and recuperate and cultivate joy and peace where we can and that will ripple out into the world around us and I'll be back in two weeks time with our final episode of season five thank you so much for being here I really appreciate it all the best I love you bye 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 bye